0: Together with our guests and listeners, we seek to discuss, challenge, and create new understanding about how to inspire better experiences in response to ever-changing customer expectations. Hello and welcome to another episode of the All Things Considered CX podcast. I'm your host, Bob Ellsman, and I'm glad to have you back for another session. And we have a returning guest to our podcast today, and I'm really excited about it. We're going to get into this, but... Um, he's got a new book out. And we're going to talk about that. And so I invited him back on the podcast, not only because the book was good, but, but because the first time he was on it, he was really good, too. So he gets to come back again. Um, and so uh, the person I'm talking about is Eric Isle. And Eric, if you would, uh, introduce yourself to our listeners.
1: Sure. Absolutely, Bob. Thanks. Uh, so I am Eric Isle. I am a speaker, uh, coach, consultant, advisor, and now author. Uh, of stop engaging employees, and I work with organizations of all sorts to try to make work more human.
0: That's fantastic, and and we are going to talk about his new book. But but before we get into that, Eric, yeah. I kind of wanted to talk to you a little bit about, as I do with a lot of our guests, is what are you hearing out there in uh, experience land, um, trends, organizations? What what do you hear? that's going on with the people that you're working with?
1: Yeah. Great question. I, I, I think, I think there's a, there's a couple of things that I that I would, I would hit on. So one is a concern that I have, which is that the more and more conversations I have about experience are actually conversations about technology. Mm-hmm. And I'm a little concerned that uh, I feel like the disciplines of experience management, going back to, to Lou Carbone, first introducing that concept, um, was a disruptive force and, uh, really, really sh- was intended to shake some things up. And I think now it's, I'm worried a bit that it's being co opted by technology and turned into a preserver of the status quo. So. That's sort of a big mega trend and we could talk more about that, but, uh, that's, that's something that concerns me a little bit. I, I'm, I don't go in for the whole, you know, sort of CX is dead conversation. That's, that's not really interesting, but I do think that CX is in danger of being turned into something that it, it's different from what it intended to be. So there's that. Uh, but then the other piece of it, w- which does tie in a bit to the subject of my book is that, um, I think, I think the need for human connection, uh, is, is of increasing importance. And I think the conversations that I'm having with folks that that can look a lot of different ways. That doesn't necessarily mean you and I having a conversation, but it does mean that feeling that I'm being at least, uh, that my needs are being met, uh, that I'm being met as a human with needs and aspirations and fears and motivations. And that, uh, that, that can look a lot of different ways that can look like personalization, for a very tactical sort of example, right? That can just, you know, am I having an experience that I feel like is tailored to me? Um, and I think that that's true for customers and employees and uh, and all humans. So I think that those are those are a couple of things that I'm noticing in my conversations that are, that are a shift uh, from maybe previous years.
0: Mm-hmm. Very interesting trends that you talked about. Let, let's talk about that first one. You know, I, I mm-hmm. have a, a before customer experience, I was in customer service and boy, we love to chase anything that would cut costs. Yeah. Technology, outsourcing, you name it, we ran after it to cut costs. And and at least that was a mindset where instead of looking at the at the contact center as a profit center, it was looked at as a cost center and how do you bring costs down there? And and my fear about AI and and all of this that's going on is we're doing the exact same thing. And and so when you mentioned that to begin with, was like, how can we make it less human using mm. this technology? And, you know, I'd love to say, wow, I've encountered some really fantastic bots and AI and man, it's just working beautifully. And and every time I think of that experience, I think to myself, it isn't going very well. It doesn't mm. feel very good when I encounter those. Um, yeah. And so I think that trend, first trend you talked about really spot on.
1: Thanks. Thanks for that. Yeah. And I, and I do want to be clear. Like, I'm not, I'm not in any way opposed to the technology. And I'm not, and I'm certainly not opposed to AI or generative AI. Uh, I think there are great uses for it. And I don't think that, uh, that resistance, either internal resistance or external resistance is really, uh, is really a a useful response or constructive response. Uh, I think, I think that there's a lot of value that can be added. I I think the thing that I look at is, as we the more we automate whatever it is. And, and really if if you look at the you know the, the arc of your career, my career, it was outsourcing, elimination, and automation, right? <laughs> those are those are sort of the, the cost saving tactics, right? And the more we do that, the more the human interactions that do happen really matter. Mm-hmm. So I think this is this is the the interesting tension, which is that the actual the human interactions end up being more valuable because of all that automation. And that doesn't mean that the automation shouldn't happen. It means that those human interactions are really important. And it's actually where a lot of value gets created, I think.
0: Well, I think a very good point. And and I think another aspect of that is, and I've said this for a number of years, is uh, customers don't want to talk to anybody unless they have a problem. And then they want to talk to somebody. And so if I can do it through automation and not talk to somebody, especially some of the newer generations really don't want to talk to anybody. unless they have a problem and there's some research out there that suggests that is I'll text you and I'll chat with you and I I don't want to have a human interaction, but boy, if there's something wrong with my order or whatever it may be, uh, whatever the product or services, I, then I do want to talk to somebody and I want to talk to somebody right away. And I think what you talked about is really where that value can come in.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I had a very personal experience of that just this morning, actually. Uh, my daughter's in college and, uh, a tuition payment is late, which of course is causing her a great deal of stress. It's causing me a great deal of stress. And I don't, I didn't have a whole lot of hope, uh, you know, looking, looking online, looking at the web-based tools, I couldn't tell what was going on. And when I called, I did not have a lot of hope that I was going to encounter somebody who was going to be helpful at, at a, you know, mm. a university bursar's office. It's just not known, uh, for being human. It's known for being administrative and, and, uh, and officious. And, uh, and I encountered this person who was, who was so kind, <laughs> And so interested in connecting human to human uh, that it it changed the whole dynamic right and it and it changed the way that that was that was my first thing Monday morning. My whole day could was affected by that interaction actually. <laughs> uh, and and it just it just it, it just happened to be that that human connection really worked and um, and really was valuable to me.
0: Well, and and that's a great lead in. Let, let's get into talking about your new book, Stop Engaging Employees and Start Making Work More Human. And before we came on the podcast, I shared with Eric, uh, this is for our listeners, I shared with Eric, I said, what caught my attention is the first part of that book title and Stop Engaging Employees. And uh, in, in a world where that's all that's being talked about is employee experience and engaging employees and so forth. I just thought this was really intriguing. So let's, let's not delay any further and, and get more into, uh, your thoughts behind it as you wrote it and then, uh, some, some interesting things about the book.
1: Uh, I'm really excited to learn about it. Sure, absolutely. Thank you for that. Yeah, and 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 before I get to the why the heck is that that, that title? Um, before <laughs> I get to that, I, I want to just provide a little tie-in for for your listeners. Uh, part of this really ties into me to some things that I've seen in conversations I've had regarding customer centricity. Uh, and I've seen organizations pursue customer centricity at the expense of employees. Um, Interesting. In in ways that uh, that are harmful. To employees and
0: mm-hmm.
1: and often those I employees mean, those employees in other parts of their lives are also customers right so so we're, we're all humans here uh, we all have those needs and aspirations and fears and motivations and and so I think when we look at you know there, there is a company out there that everyone's heard of that calls itself the most customer centric company in the world or maybe in the universe they might I forget what they what exactly what they see they do not have a great track record uh, in terms of how they treat their employees. <laughs> Uh, and so I, so I, I, I came, I come into this conversation with that mindset. Uh, so, so I believe you can't be customer centric if you're not human centric. Uh, and so, and so human centricity is, is, is really where I'm coming at this from. In terms of that title, stop engaging employees, uh, that really is also a, a, uh, a human centric lens. Uh, I find that all of these conversations about employee engagement, I get the questions all the time. Uh, how do we engage employees? How do we motivate employees? Uh, how do we get employees to do stuff that they don't want to do? Uh, that, those are the, the, so many of the, the subtext of so many of the conversations. And I believe you cannot engage someone any more than you can make someone fall in love with you. It's just that, that's not a, that's not a thing we do to people. Uh, we become engaged when the conditions are such that we develop that, that feeling of engagement. Uh, and so I think when, when leaders focus less on how do we get people to do stuff, and more on how do I cultivate the conditions in which an outcome is more likely? That's the more constructive and the more human centric approach. So that's that's the stop engaging employees piece of it. Is that is, is tr- stop trying to do it to people and start trying to figure out what will be engaging to them.
0: And and how do organ- and, and, and just to tag on that a little bit, how do organizations under- come to understand that?
1: Mm. Uh, say, uh, say more about that, Bob.
0: So, um, when you talked about, you know, what is it that it, that employees are looking for? Mm, and mm. How do they gain that insight? I mean, you know, there yeah. used to be that there, there probably still are, but the personnel surveys, which I always thought were a little bit of a, uh, I, I, I'll, I'll offend somebody by this, but saying they were a little bit of a joke because we would right. take the personnel survey. We'd wait three months for the results. Then all the leadership would get in a room and they'd look at the results and then they'd assign it out to people and say, you have to do this and do that. And you've got six months to do it. And all of a sudden they took another survey and they would say, oh, we didn't make any progress. Well, of course not. We were still working on the on what was happening. So
1: right, it's, right.
0: Uh, though that that's kind of in my mind. is, but So how yeah. do we get beneath that and really get to the core of what employees are looking for from your perspective?
1: Uh, Thank you for that question. I, and that, that's a big part of why I, I wrote this book. You know, I, I talk to so many leaders who really want to have an organization that that takes care of humans, that helps humans become the best versions of themselves, and they don't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so and so, your question of, of how is really key. And you know, my, my book outlines sort of six disciplines. They're leadership disciplines, really, that, that you have to sort of practice over time. And I liken it to gardening. You can't control the outcome of a garden, but as a gardener, you're going to do certain disciplines over time to create the conditions in which it's more likely that you're going to have flowers bloom and vegetables grow. And uh, and so I detail out these six disciplines. They're not steps. They're not steps in a project. They are disciplines to be practiced. <laughs> and the first one, as with any experience design, really has to do with listening. And the way that we listen, uh, in, in the case of inside organizations to the people that we label as employees um, is not very effective yeah, as, as you point out, right? Employee surveys, not, not particularly effective. You get a bunch of opinions. Uh, you maybe average those out. You maybe generate some kind of score and you say, okay, well, we're getting a 70%. Great. Is that good? Is that bad? What does it mean? Uh, it also doesn't represent anybody's experience. Right. So, um, just like with just on the same on the customer experience side, right? You can, you can say we've got a CSAT of, of X percent, um, what does that say about any individual customer's experience? Not a lot. Uh, so, so one of the things to start with is how do we listen more effectively inside organizations? Surveys are a part of it, just like in customer experience, right? Surveys are a part of it, and they're useful for getting a sort of broad brushstroke. Uh, but then we have to get deeper into these individual one-on-one conversations and really understand what are those needs and motivations and fears and aspirations that employees have, Uh, I have over my career had so many leaders ask me, tell me what motivates employees. No, I won't. (laughs) I won't. That's not how humans work. Uh, you have to talk to the individual people. And so, you know, a, a lot of this comes down to how do we, how do we develop some, some different muscles around listening? I think organizations aren't really, well, even leaders, individual leaders, you and me, we're not actually really called upon to be great listeners. We're called upon to be great orators, to to, to express <laughs> ourselves, but not so much to listen. And that's not, there's no shame in that. Uh, it's just that we need to turn our attention to it and and practice a different way. So I talk about in the book, yes, surveys, but also how do you have things like effective one-on-one communications? How do you get rid of really ineffective listening strategies like open door policies uh which do not work in organizations and uh and and it's 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 so common and yet has never worked so uh so that's the first the really the first discipline of this of this whole human-centric approach is we got to listen differently so i call it empathize because it's really about developing cognitive and affective empathy for our fellow humans in the workplace
0: that that is so impactful i think eric that that's the first discipline that the, the um I had a uh, I joined a company a number of years ago and the uh, I met with the CEO as part of my orientation and he said to me, you know, you're an outsider. We we've we've been pretty successful. So mm-hmm. don't assume that we you know you you're coming in here as a white knight in shining armor going to solve mm-hmm. everything for us. And he said, "What I want you to do is spend the next 90 days just listening and then I want you to come back and meet with me." And so I did that and I came back and he said, "Okay, what did you hear?" And I told him, and he said, "Okay, you got it. You got the culture. You got the pulse of the mm. organization." Mm. Uh, I learned some things that I didn't know, so it was kind of a double-edged sword for him at the time to say, "Somebody's new will be more open with me and tell me what's going on out there." And that just, as you can tell, that that stuck with me. And I, and I, since then, I do it a lot when I go into organizations—is just listen. And one of the things I hear sometimes is when an employee will say, well, they mm. said I had to do this. And mm. the they is kind of a red flag for me because mm. if employees are engaged, it's a we element, right? It's yes. us, it's our company. And uh, so anyhow, I just share that in that that's always that listing part is so important to being impactful in an organization.
1: It absolutely is, and we and we have to be really careful. About, I love that story about your being sort of coached to just take those first ninety days, and that's actually that the book, the first ninety days. That's essentially what what he talks about in that book as well. Which is which is mm-hmm. don't do a lot of things. <laughs> Listen, don't c- come in and you know start pushing down walls. It's not it's not helpful. However, uh, unfortunately, we often do expect new leaders and organizations to come in and start breaking down walls uh, when their time would be better spent. Listening, so I, I I love that notion, and and what you bring up about the they, I think is is so critical. Uh, I talk a lot in 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 my in my talks about the notion of a bigger and broader sense of we uh, that we that we absolutely need to broaden out our sense of we when we have a narrow we and a big they because it's gonna that's how it's gonna work. Uh, then just less is possible, uh, and so in organi- inside organizations, we have to think about does we mean just this intact team. Does we mean just our department? Does we mean the organization? Or does we mean uh, us and the customers we serve? Uh, so, you know, thinking about what our mm-hmm. what we mean when we say we really matters and hopefully starts to edge out and make very small who the they might be in that conversation.
0: Mm-hmm. Very, very interesting concept. Do you think we're overcomplicating the the process of listening and and mm. engaging employees. What are your thoughts along those lines?
1: Overcomplicating. I, I yeah. I think let's talk about the difference between com- complicated and complex, uh, because I think I think this ah, I think this is good. really important, mm-hmm. right? So so yes, I think we can absolutely overcomplicate the process. Mm-hmm. I think we are oversimplifying at the same time. We are not mm-hmm. embracing the complexity and the complexity i'm talking about is that individual human experience uh i think i think we are overcomplicating with things like the survey administration and the performance management plan and all of these sort of uh bureaucratic methods that we're using i think those do overcomplicate but they also gloss over the complexity of the human experience
0: mhm You know, it's interesting too, Eric and listeners were speaking with Eric Isle and the author of his new book, Stop Engaging Employees and Start Making Work More Human. The interesting thing that you talk about, Eric, that I haven't heard others talk about is this crossover into the human resource, human Hmm. relations kind of talent organization. So oftentimes, as you know, Customer experience may be embedded as an independent organization. It might be part of operations, it might be part of marketing, and oftentimes employee engagement is relegated to the HR function. It's like, after all, it's about employees. But I, what I hear you doing is blurring those lines, and that's meant to be a positive, <laughs> meant no, yeah. to be a compliment. You're blurring those lines. Am I am I sensing that correctly?
1: I think absolutely. Uh, th- those lines to me are... Uh, uh it's a it's a circle around something we call humans and 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 i think and i think that 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 notion is is so critical uh to the work that i do which is which is which is to say it can't just be a departmental function it's 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 figuring out how humans work and i think understanding uh understanding humans is really important to to cx people it's really important to some hr people to od people certainly yeah. um but but it's uh but it's not something that that sort of often crosses lines now we now we know some examples you and i know some people who have responsibility for example for both hr and cx in their organizations right that that exists but i think what i'm talking about is how can every leader in an organization play a role in that human-centric so that cultivation of that human-centric workplace and i think Uh, when I use that term leader, I mean something really specific and maybe different, which is anyone who's trying to help others become the best versions of themselves. Mm
0: -hmm. That's
1: my definition of a leader. And so that doesn't matter where you are in the hierarchy, it's, it's, are you taking on that mantle of I'm here to help others become the best versions of themselves, whether inside the organization or outside the organization, then I, as a leader can practice these disciplines and play a part in making my workplace more human centric.
0: That makes total sense to me. The the um, let's give our listeners maybe one more discipline to whet their appetite to go out and buy your book. What's another one that comes to mind that you'd like to highlight today?
1: Sure, uh, I'll I'll jump to the so this, uh, there are six E's in this framework. So yeah. empathize is the is the first E. I'll jump to the fourth one, which is enable. Now, enable can have really negative connotations if you're talking in sort of psychological terms. It's not what I'm talking about. Uh, I'm talking about uh, g- making sure that employees in the organization have the knowledge, tools, skills and resources that they need to be successful and to become the best versions of themselves. And so uh, when I when I look at that, we we can't get there without doing empathize. We can't do that without actually listening to folks and understanding what do you need to be successful? What's getting in your way? So that we as leaders can provide as much as we can what we what those employees need in order to be successful. I think what happens a lot in organizations and you know this as well as I do, uh, there's a lot of talk about raising the bar. We're going to raise the bar. Uh, We're going to expect more with less. And that's 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 always the name of the game. And uh, and what I say is, yes, let's raise the bar, but let's also raise the floor. Mm. And we raise, we raise the floor by giving folks the knowledge, the tools, the skills, the resources that they need, uh, to be successful. And so, so enable, again, it can't happen without listening. That's really important. Uh, but the other thing I would say about, about this whole framework is that we're not trying to do this so that we make more money. You will. You will. We we know that, right? The research mm-hmm. is there. Well, what I'm here to say is that improving that employee experience, that human experience at work is itself a key performance indicator. It is actually the whole point. We formed organizations to serve us, not people to serve organizations. And so all of this whole process is really meant to help people, not just to extract more value from them, but to help us when we're at work uh achieve more satisfaction and fulfillment and self-actualization and and flourishing in our lives and so when we think about these six e's uh i have that lens in mind as well which is that we're not just trying to extract value from our fellow humans we are trying to help those fellow humans become the best versions of themselves
0: Mm -hmm. you're really kind of you know Busting up some paradigms here, Garrett. I hope like. so. I hope so. <laughs> I mean, that's good, right? That's, that's really good. Um, I, I have a, a, one or two more questions for you, but sure. let's make sure our readers know how to get a hold of your book. It just was released at the end of January. That's right. And so I'm assuming it's on all the major. Bookselling yeah. sites, but I'll let you talk about that too. Yeah,
1: it's on it's on all of the online platforms where you buy, and it's available in print and ebook. Uh, there will be an audiobook forthcoming. I'm still working on that because I narrated the audiobook, and it's a lot of work. Uh, so I'm finishing that one up. But the, but the print and ebooks are available everywhere you buy books. I highly recommend getting it from bookshop.org. Uh, bookshop.org enables you to order from your local bookstore. And have the book shipped to you so you're supporting local business but you also get that sort of online convenience uh, through bookshop.org so that's what i'd recommend they also have the lowest price
0: very cool and listeners i usually do prep work before a session and and read the book or at least uh try to go through it but this literally came off the presses and i saw it uh, linked in and i said to eric come on let's get on the podcast right away and and this sounds like a fascinating book uh, and it and it, you, it it does sound based on the, the 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 insights that you've shared with us so far. So Eric, before I let you go, um, I, I always like to to hear and some words of wisdom, some final thoughts uh, that our listeners can take away and think about as they you know go to get your book or reflect on this podcast and some of the great insights you've already shared. What are some of those final thoughts that you might have for our
1: listeners? I appreciate that, Bob. I I am always a little uncomfortable putting myself in the in the expert category, but but I have spent a lot of time thinking about this stuff, a (laughs) lot of time working on this stuff. Uh I do think that the thing that I've been thinking about a lot lately, and I'm working on for myself, and that's why so I I invite others to work on this with me, is adjusting our speaking to listening ratio uh sort of mindfully, uh so that so that we can think about how much time are we spending really listening versus how much time are we spending talking. Uh, I've done this in organizations before well I'll sit with a leadership team and track how much time each person's been talking um, and just provide that feedback back to the back to the leadership team to let them know who's kind of dominating and who's maybe not getting a word in but I think for all of us as I said we we've been sort of coached to uh you know to to overvalue extroversion uh to overvalue what people say uh and to undervalue introversion and listening and so I would just invite folks to think about that ratio in your own life and how you might make some tweaks. I'm working on it.
0: I like that. That's, those are very good words of wisdom. I, I, I'm i smiling a little bit because I I'm in the middle of teaching a, an MBA course that I teach every spring and, and um, we do a team exercise, team dynamic exercise because they work on some major projects. And so they have to relate to one another. And, and um, we just did it last week. and, Uh, two teams started out and all they were doing was talking and to your point about listening is and they were having trouble accomplishing the the objective of the of, of the team dynamic exercise because they weren't listening to one another they were all talking so when we debriefed I said what would you do differently and somebody said I would have shut up and just listened <laughs> so, or somebody would have you know we all just would have just listened to one person at a time we might have been mm. more successful mm-hmm. and so I thought that was really impactful to to what you just said and, and I appreciate that. that love that uh Eric is available on LinkedIn uh any other sources of contact you'd like to share
1: yeah. I mean, LinkedIn is great. I'm always open to connections and chatting with people there. Uh, my website is my name, uh, which is spelled oddly. So, so check the, uh, check the, the notes for that, but it's E R Y C E Y L. Uh, jump over to my website. Uh, there's also, uh, a link to get some downloadable resources and stuff related to the book. So, uh, so invite you to check out the website for that.
0: Fantastic. Eric, the author, Stop Engaging Employees and Start Making Work More Human. Thanks for joining us uh, today on the podcast.
1: Thanks so much, Bob. It's been a lot of fun.
0: And listeners, this has been another edition of the All Things Considered CX podcast. I invite you to share this with your network. And as always, stay tuned for more upcoming podcasts, as well as those of my fellow podcasters on the CXFM radio network.